Isaiah 43, beginning at verse 14. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as as, as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning we're we're kicking off a new sermon series, and we're doing so alongside some other like-minded churches, and its title is Here to There. And, And the premise is really just kind of acknowledging that our world has experienced an enormous amount of change over just the last couple of years. One example I saw just this week, I was visiting one of our older members, and uh, she wasn't able to join us for Easter worship this year, um, but she did buy a flower in memory of someone, and so I asked her, I said, would you like to see where your flower was decorating around the altar? And she said, yes. And so I pulled up my phone, and and I I found a, a shot from our live stream service where you could see all the flowers, and I pointed out her flower, and she looked at me, and she said, why did you take a picture of my flower? <laughs> and I said, I didn't, take, I didn't take a picture. This is YouTube, and all of our services are online. Anybody can go online and see this. And this is somebody who's in her 90s. She doesn't have the internet. She doesn't have a cell phone. And she just looked at me, and she just nodded, and she said, Pastor Tom, everything has changed so quickly. She's just kind of tired. And, and I think a couple of years ago, I, I would have seen that as a generational thing. But after what we've been through over the last couple of years, I think it's true for all of us, whether we're young or old. How many of you before two years ago had never heard of Zoom before? Show of hands. Or maybe you heard of it. Did you have an account, right? Just just incredible how things like that have changed. How many people uh, just a couple of years ago had never experienced Walmart pickup? Anybody? I've got five kids. I love Walmart pickup. It is the best thing in the world. Felt a little weird the first time, right? You feel like you pull it up, like, should I help you get it in? But, but now it's, it's really, really nice. But, but even if you welcome some of these changes, some of them are just incredible. They've actually made our lives better. We're still having gone through so many of them in this collective kind of state of whiplash. And when that happens... What, what often is natural is for us to look back and, 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 and long for the familiarity of the past. It reminds me of, of my, my two older boys, Jake and Evan. We recently, a number of months ago now, we watched the movie Back to the Future. Anybody a Back to the Future fan? Some of you are, are, are smiling and nodding. I'll jump ahead. Here's a picture of the, one of the original DeLoreans. This is out at the Volo Auto Museum. Not far from here if you're looking for a day trip. Lots of fun. Um, there's Jake and Evan. We saw that back, I think it was last fall. And if you're not familiar with the movie, it was released back in 1985, 
quickly became an international sensation and led to a trilogy of movies. They're all based on the same premise, and that is time travel that was made possible by a modified DeLorean that was modified by a very eccentric scientist named Doc Brown. And in the first movie, it's experienced by 17-year-old Marty McFly, right, when he is sent 30 years into the past when his own parents are roughly his age. And it's considered a science fiction comedy because every one of the movies shows us how quickly just one change in the past can have this huge and often hilarious impact on the future. And I think one of the reasons why this movie is still popular over 30 years um, after it came out today is that the premise speaks to a longing that a lot of us have for this concept to be real. Like, Like, just ask yourself for a second, what would you give to be able to go back in time? Like, what would you give? And some of you are just nodding, right? You already have thought about this. What would you give? Where would you go if you could do it? What, what year would you go back to? What would you change? And how would that change impact your life today? In the first movie, Marty meets a teenage girl that later would become his mother, and she almost falls in love with him. And I'm watching this with my boys. I'm like, this is a weird movie. And, and, and the whole premise of the rest of it is, is just him trying to get her to essentially undo what has happened so that she still falls in love with his father, lest he, he ceases to exist in the future. And, and it just shows us how one change can impact everything. Last weekend after Easter worship, um, my wife Alyssa and I and our kids, we went and we made the rounds to all of our family. We stopped at her family first, and then we went to my family. And when we were with her family, her 91-year-old grandmother was with us. And she was seated at one point in the middle of all of the activities, so all the kids and the grandkids and the great-grandkids at this point. And I looked at her and I said, you know, if it wasn't for you, none of us would be here. Like, like very simple fact that if it wasn't for you, none of us would be here. 91 years, 91 years of the journey of life that led to last Sunday's chaotic family gathering and eggs being hidden and ham being eaten. And of course, she's proud, right? And so we talk about all of that, but I also am mindful that for every decision that we wouldn't take back that leads us to where we are today, for many of us, if we think about time travel, there's also a list of decisions and circumstances that we probably would change if we could. We would take back saying what we said to that person that we love. We wouldn't have made that commitment that we made so young. We would have saved more money. We would have spent more time with our kids. We would have stopped ourselves from making that terrible mistake. And the problem is, of course, that shoulda, coulda, woulda kind of thinking, it leaves us powerless and it leaves us without hope. Because while the DeLorean was a real car, its ability to travel across time never was. And the whole premise of the Back to the Future movies really kind of pokes fun at the fact that we would all love to go back and at the same time we know we can't. Because life is a journey. And so is our faith. And if that's true, then, then maybe... Maybe it's less than arriving at a certain place, and maybe it's more about being faithful to every step in the process. 
And if that's true, that should bring hope to those of us who have places we would love to go back and change, but also it should bring hope to those of us that are thinking that if I just make the right decision today, if I just get to the right place tomorrow, if I just do this or say that, if I achieve a certain place in my career, a certain amount of money in the bank, if I just finally find that person or that relationship or that education or I pray enough or I do enough, then I will finally reach my destination. And the question that I want to ask is, does that ever happen? We're a multi-generational church, and I can talk to somebody in their 90s, and I can talk to somebody at 17 years old, and I can say with almost absolute certainty that none of us feel like we've arrived yet, do we? Last uh, weekend on Easter, we talked about how everybody faces disappointment in something. Life on this side of eternity never seems to live up to our expectations. Some seasons are better than others, right? But there's often seasons where we feel like we're in this cosmic game of whack-a-mole. Remember that game? Uh, where, where you got one thing in life under control, and then bam, something else pops up. And you hit that, and bam, and on and on it goes through the rest of our lives. And that can feel exhausting unless you begin to realize that maybe the destination itself is found in the journey. And it's found in every step that we take. Here's what I mean. If God, what if God is using everything that we face in our lives every day, even the things that we look back and wish we could change, even the places that we avoid and the decisions that we wish we never made, what if God can weave all of those things into shaping us to become the people that he wants us to be? Because the truth is, what we're going to learn throughout this series is that God's grace is what's always moving us ahead, moving us from here to there. Faith is not a destination. We don't arrive on this side of eternity. It is a journey. And the the sooner that we reframe our minds around that truth, the sooner we can let go of just trying to get by in life, which so many of us are, to actually seeing the big dreams that the Lord has in store for each of us. And so on Easter, I I referenced the very end of the reading that I read just a minute ago from the prophet Isaiah. I want to give you a little bit of background. This was written in the history of Israel at a time when they were under the oppressive rule of the Babylonians. And Isaiah and other places make it very clear that their circumstances are are not just random. They've made some decisions that have had consequences. There's been times where they've walked away from the good plan that God has for their lives. And there are moments in the past that now they're looking back that they wish they could go back to. Moments that were better than the present that they're living in right now. And then there's also moments that are riddled with decisions that they wish they could go back and change if they could. And it leads to a place where we find ourselves in our reading today where God's people are just, it's taking everything they have just to survive. Have you been in a season like that? Maybe you're in a season like that right now where just getting up in the morning, it just takes everything just to get that cup of coffee and to get yourself out of bed. That's the way in which they were living under oppression. And they're looking for the way in which God is going to deliver them. And we see a glimpse of what he's about to do in the reading that we just read. Let's take a look again at verse 14. He says, this is what the Lord says. 
your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord your God, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. Can you imagine? They have just been surviving, but finally God is going to rescue them. The Babylonian exile took 70 years. And, and this would have been a lifetime then, it's a lifetime now. And today, as they're hearing these words, finally there's hope. And who is the God that's going to save them? Look at this, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. And this isn't yet what the Lord says. It's still giving you who is the Lord that's about to speak. It's the one who made a way through the sea. A path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Before the Lord even speaks into how he's going to save them from their present challenge, they are reminded of who he has been to them in the past. These words are looking back at a different time in their history, a different part of their journey, the exodus that they experienced from Egypt where they had been enslaved for hundreds of years. And back then, God didn't just pluck them out of the situation, but he pulled them through. Once they escaped, you remember the story, right? They came up against the Red Sea. Remember this? And so you had the plagues, and you had the Passover, and the Pharaoh finally said, fine, let them go, leave, get out of here. And as soon as they left, what did he do? He changed his mind. Look at Exodus 14. This is where we read it. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and we've lost their services. He's looking back. He's wishing he could change his mind. Where is Doc and the DeLorean for the Pharaoh, right? He's like, I want to go back. This was a bad decision. And it's out of that desire he takes all of his might and he sends the chariots and his army and everybody to try to undo the decision that he just made. How many of us put all of our energy into trying to undo the past, trying to redo a decision we which we would have done differently. And so, so this is what happens. And while they're being pursued, Israel came up against the Red Sea, and they've got nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, and they start to have the same ideas that the Pharaoh has. Look at this, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians rather than to die in the desert. They're just like the Pharaoh. They're second-guessing everything, assuming that the only way that God could possibly save them is to undo a decision that they made in the past. And here lies the problem with that kind of thinking. When you're too busy second-guessing the past, you're too busy to look ahead at the new thing that God wants to do in the future. See, we can only look one direction 
at a time. Exodus 14, 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And you've heard the story. You know what happens next, right? The waters part. The people walk through on dry land and the Egyptian army is swallowed up and taken out to sea. And God knew that they were going to be okay. And he used this situation not just to, to save them from their present trouble, but to show them, and Israel, not just Israel, but Egypt as well, that when we have no place else to turn, God doesn't take us back. He carries us through. This is a principle of God. That when we come up against a wall and we can't get through it, when, when we don't know where else to go, then, then God doesn't just take us back to where we used to be, but he promises to carry us through. And so the question is, are you tired of all the change that's been happening around us? Are you, are you looking for hope by looking back? Does the past seem more appealing these days than the future? Well, fast forward again to Isaiah. Isaiah and the people that are under the captivity of the Babylonians after God is introduced as the one who has saved Israel from being slaves in Egypt. We see in Isaiah 43, 18, the Lord speaks. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love this. He says, remember how I saved your ancestors from slavery in Egypt? Remember that? Okay, forget all of it. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. Forget all of it. Because just like they had no idea that I was going to split the sea in front of them, I am about to save you in a way that you could have no concept of as well. I am doing a new thing. And in this we learn that God's character is always constant, but his hope is always new. His character is always constant, but his hope is always new. And if that's true, then we can choose to look back on old mistakes or we can come to God for new forgiveness. We can dwell on old opportunities or we can look to God to make a way for new dreams. Let's see, you can't dream dreams if you're spending time just looking back and getting by. Just getting by is... Is what Israel wanted when they came up against the Red Sea. It's humorous what they say to Moses, right? Did, did all the, were all the cemeteries full in Egypt? That's what they said. Is that why you took us out here? Never mind that back in Egypt, they were slaves. Their lives were as good as dead already. God did not take them out to kill them. He took them out to give them a new life. But now they're up against the Red Sea. They're in uncharted waters, no pun intended. And yet, as we look ahead at our own lives and our future, isn't that the same thing for us as well? Isn't your future uncharted? You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, do you? None of us do. It's just like looking ahead at the Red Sea. Hindsight is 2020 because we know more now than we knew then, but the promise of God is that he can see our future even better than we can see 
our past. And that's true for no matter who you are and where you find yourself today, whether you're young or old, that you and I are never beyond God doing a new thing in our life as well. It's always fascinating sitting with Alyssa's grandparents her grandpa is alive, too. He just didn't want to be in the midst of all the chaos of our family on Easter. So he hung out at home. We see him in smaller doses. But, but sitting with both of them, I love hearing stories from their past. And it's not to, to live in the past, but it reminds us that God isn't going to do the same things in our life that he's done in their life, but he's going to do a new thing in the new generation that comes out of the former generation. And listening to the stories of those who have gone before us helps us look ahead as we anxiously await what God is about to reveal next. And I say that to ask, maybe you're waiting for God to reveal to you what's next. Maybe you're up against the change in your life and if that's true, maybe your prayer is today and throughout this series to ask God, would you give me a glimpse of what the new thing is that you're about to do in my life? Would you show me just a glimpse of what's to come? Maybe you're, maybe you're suffering from physical illness. Maybe you're dealing with mental illness. Maybe you're, you're facing a broken career or a broken relationship. Don't pray to God to take you back to the way it used to be, but ask him to show you what it could be. What is the new thing that he wants to do? Is if God might come before you like he could have come before those who had just left Egypt with a drop of water and said, this represents to you what I am about to do to save you. Can God give you that drop of water as well? Can he show you a glimpse of what's in store? The prophet Isaiah tells the people to forget the former things because God is about to make the Red Sea and parting the Red Sea look like child's play because what he's planning to do and what the prophet Isaiah is saying is going to happen in the future is that the Lord is going to send his own son, Jesus. And when Jesus came, they said the same thing to him, right? They looked back. They said, you, we want you to be like King David. Stay and heal us, feed us, perform miracles. But he didn't come to do an old thing. He came to do a new thing. That he might live and die and rise again to make a way through the sea of sin and death itself and to come out the promised land of forgiveness and grace in a eternal life, which is what happened and what we celebrated on Easter and what we continue to celebrate in the resurrection every time we come before him. See, Israel in their past was afraid of there not being enough graves when what they didn't realize is Jesus was going to come to make graves themselves obsolete. And that new life that goes on forever isn't something we have to wait until we die on this side of eternity to experience. But the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, in, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here, and that new creation begins today, right here, right now. And so don't look back. Don't just get by, but look forward, dream big, because God wants to do a new thing in your life and mine as well. And let's pray right now together that we might see a glimpse of that. Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you that you are God and that you are good. 
We need to hear that over and over again like we sang it just, just at the beginning of this service. You are good. You are good. And just like you have been with us and those who have gone before us in our past, we can be reminded that you will be faithful in the future. But as we look forward to the future and the way in which your faithfulness manifests in our lives, help us to open our minds that we would not be so close-minded to think that the way you're going to save us in the future is the way that you've saved us in the past. Because you are doing a new thing. And so God, we bring before you the old things. We bring before you the moments in our life that that we need your hope, that we need your peace, that we need your grace, and we ask that you show us a glimpse of the new thing that you're prepared to do. Give us hope. Especially, God, those of us here who are just getting by, who every day is a struggle, would you just show us just just even just a small glimpse like, like yesterday. Yesterday here was just a beautiful day. It was sun shining and and, and the weather was warm and it was a glimpse of the weather to come. It was a glimpse of the spring. It was a glimpse of the hope. Just as creation gave us a glimpse into the future glory of the season to come, God, would you give each of us a glimpse into the future hope that we desperately need in the places that we have grown hopeless in. Show us that you are doing a new thing in our life as well. And as we open our eyes, we remember that that new thing is grounded in your presence in us and with us and through us. We remember that presence as we remember this meal that you gave 